Hey, this is Big Sean Madigan. On this week's episode, we'll welcome back our prodigal son, Alex Richter. Today, Alex and I will tackle such subjects as the importance of learning forms in today's modern martial arts environment. And then Alex discusses in detail the what I think is a fascinating subject of the whole Yip Man versus It Man debate. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know there was a debate until we did this episode, but it really is interesting. And then we even have a little lighthearted discussion on uh, the so-called martial arts hall of fames and a lot more. We uh, we liked it. We thought it was one of our best episodes, and we hope you enjoy it too. So, here goes. Dudes of Kung Fu. Hello, and welcome back to uh, episode seven of Dudes of Kung Fu. Yes. Alex is back. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be back. Absolutely. We we are back and better than ever. Um, I hope everybody had a great week. And uh, I thought Anthony did a great job last week, by the way, yeah. uh, t- uh, substituting for me. Anthony, thank you so much. A big thank you to Anthony Glacius, who uh, jumped in at the last minute to cover for Alex, the busiest man in Ming Chen. Which isn't saying much. That's like, you know, being the man who can whisper the loudest. It's kind of a dubious accomplishment. (laughs) Be that as it may, you hold the title, brother. There you go. There you go. Well, it's an achievement of a sort, I suppose. Did you have a nice camp? Did you guys have a good time? We had an amazing camp. So I do this thing every year. It's called the ITC, the Intensive Training Camp. And basically, um, I train my guys uh, six hours a day, seven days a week. So um, I originally created it for my partner school so that they, uh, the instructors could come up and just spend a week doing nothing but training. Um, I could polish them up a little bit, um, give them updates as to what we're teaching in New York and make sure that they're you know, teaching everything kind of up to the latest standards, so to speak but also just to give them a chance to train you know when you're as you know when you're running a school sometimes it's difficult to get your own training in because you're so focused on the students so I wanted to make sure that I give all my um, my instructors who are under me like a chance to just come and just train their asses off for a week and that's basically what the ITC is so I just got done teaching that so uh, that was uh, last week and uh, still haven't taken a break since so uh, I'm gonna if I drop dead halfway through this podcast you will understand why Listen, face it, everybody's here to hear me anyway, so if I need to just capture the audience, we're going to switch the video and I'll take off my shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and by by the way, uh, I wanted to mention that next year... is going to be the 15-year anniversary of uh, my school city, Wing Chun. So the okay. ITC, yeah, the ITC next year is going to have a special event attached to it. At the end of the week, we're going to have like a huge uh, banquet in Chinatown. Uh, obviously, you'll you'll be there. We'll invite um, lots of our friends uh, locally and also some of my friends internationally. And it'll be like a banquet with like a show. And maybe I'll give my students some awards for being cool or whatever. And, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a great thing. And we're also going to have an anniversary book, uh, which will only go to people who go to the banquet. It's going to kind of tell the history of my school since I started it in 2002 with photos like from the early years when I was starting out and I still look like a young kid and everyone would walk into my school and look at me and go, yeah, where's the instructor? And I'd be like, hey, that's me. I'm going to teach you Wing Chun, you know, so like (laughs) (laughs) and then eventually a couple years later, I was able to grow a little bit of facial hair and get a little uh, get a little respect. So it'll be funny. It'll be great. And, uh, you know, I would would be an honor for me if if you're there and, and uh, you know, some of your Kung Fu family as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a big thing, and that'll be next year. 
Like a few things. Newsflash, you still look like a fucking fifteen year old. <laughs> with your with your penciled in facial hair. <laughs> hey, you're not supposed to let people know about that. <laughs> and uh, I would be honored to be there because I think next year we're gonna give out an award, the Dudes of Kung Fu Award. Oh wow! Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Does the does the award go out to us because we're the dudes of kung fu? Well, Is it, it an award to it, ourselves? It to me <laughs> next year, and you can get it the year after. Hey, that's perfect. That's perfect. But we we did we got to come up with the dude. We, you know, I don't know what the criteria will be for winning the award, but um, I no, you know, you know, what we should do we should do our own martial arts hall of fame like all these guys do, and they always send me invites for. Uh, and you know, we could say you are inducted in the Dudes of Kung Fu Hall of Fame. All you need to do is bring fourteen of your friends at a hundred bucks a plate for dinner, and we'll give you an award for coolest hairdo uh, from the Dudes of Kung Fu. How does that sound? It sounds cool, but I'm not that much of a criminal. <laughs> hey, are you saying that those martial art hall of fame enterprises are a little bit sketchy? No, I'm not saying that. They're a lot sketchy. A little bit sketchy gives them <laughs> way too much freaking credit. But you know what? It, Let's talk about those at the end because I think sure. you have a couple of things to say about those uh, Hall of Fame. Well, uh, air quotes Hall of Fames, and we'll. Uh, yeah, we can we can take a few minutes to dismantle them at the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's new in your life, brother? Well, um, I mentioned on the last podcast that I was on that I'm doing the show at the Museum of the Moving Image uh, here in New York this Friday, for those who are listening to the podcast uh, this week, um, July 8th. Uh, it's called Yip Man Fact and Fiction. And basically, I'm going to show the trailer to my Yip Man documentary that I'm shooting in Hong Kong. And I'm also going to uh, basically have a 90-minute talk about how Yip Man has now been fictionalized in the films and uh, why this is problematic. And, and, you know, they're great for entertainment, but why we actually also need to do proper research before it's too late. Because uh, most of his senior students who are still around, um, as close as some of them are, are as friends to me, I mean, they're kind of, they're kind of getting up there in age, and it's a matter of, you know, if we don't document these things now, um, ten years from now, everyone's going to think that uh, Yip Man was a guy named IP Man, played by Donnie Yen. Right. So uh, this is something we need to change drastically. And how can people get tickets for this uh, show? Well, uh, we're actually sold out. So I just found out two days ago that we completely sold wow. out the house, which is yeah, uh, super excited about that. That's like amazing. Uh, you know. For a museum event, uh, it's pretty cool to say he sold out. By the way, one of the things that I'm going to talk about in the show is I'm going to debunk the whole yip versus ip spelling. Um, because really? uh Yes, because, uh, you know, the yip name or the IP spelling has been completely hijacked. And this, this thing now that you now have to spell it IP, it's kind of like political correctness. It's like, no, 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 no. It's I-P-M-A-N. Even when I submit articles to uh, Wing Chun Illustrated these days, I always write it YIP because I'm old school. Right. And their proofreader will always change it to IP before that thing goes to print. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So even you when you read. I, I hate to jump on you and yeah. hit you with this at the last second, but maybe tonight you want to speak about the whole Yip Man versus Yip Man for the folks that can't. Uh... Yeah, absolutely. Should... All right, good. So, you know what? Well, if, if you don't, I, know you're not, I know you weren't prepared for it. But uh, we'll, uh, have you jump on that for maybe a little segment tonight? That would be a good idea, I think. Yeah, we can we can do that in a little bit. I know you like putting me on the spot because I always give you crap for messing up people's names. <laughs> <laughs> me mess up names? I mess up their faces, man. <laughs> of course. 
Yo, bro, I'm a, I don't need names. I'm a New Yorker. I'm a tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Hey, by the way, I heard uh, through the grapevine, you have a little announcement that you want to make about something you may or may not be offering. Yes, that's true. Um, I am going to put it out there. You know what? Yeah, I'll put it out there this week. I'm going to be accepting students again. I'm starting to teach group classes and privates. Um, I, I get contacted a lot to teach, and I... I basically stopped teaching, for except with the exception of uh, some personal students, for the last few years, and uh, I'll just put it out there. Because because of my weight, I got fatter and fatter and lazier and lazier, and I basically stopped teaching except for the uh, my my few private students that I've had now for years. But I decided, you know, I'm I'm losing weight again. I'm I'm still a fat bastard, but you know, <laughs> but I'm you know I'm 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 loving what we're doing. I'm working out again full time, and I have a lot. I feel like I have a lot to teach, and uh, so yeah, I uh, I'm, I'm setting up my my gym in my basement again, and um, I'm going to start accepting students and I guess talk to students, talk to prospective students over the next couple of weeks, see who's a good fit, and um, we'll start classes up in a few weeks. That's really great, man. I'm super happy for you. Yeah, you know it's time, dude. It's you know. I, I love this. I, I love martial arts. I'm going to focus mostly on uh, Jeet Kune Do and Wing Chun. But uh, I would be lying if I didn't say we're going to do some pummeling drills from my wrestling days and maybe a little knife work. I, you know, I kind of like that. But uh, right. it'll be mostly old school JKD and uh, Wing Chun as I teach mm -hmm. it, you know. Uh, but what I really want to know, and I think what the audience wants to know, is will you be teaching the deadly nunchaku? Well, first of all, my nunchakos have knives on them. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> so, whether they're meant to be deadly or not, you always cut yourself. So, <laughs> self-inflicted death. Actually, you know what I play with? I've never, I've never like formally trained in it or even taught it to anybody. Do you know what a masingari is? A masingari? No, I'm no. What is that? Okay, so I'm probably fucking up that name also. But no, I'm sure it's I, perfect. I, I have one. I'm gonna beat you up, man. <laughs> um, it's basically picture a two and a half foot chain with two small weights on each end. Okay. Kind of like a nunchuck, but it's just weighted a weighted chain. Okay. And Where's it like like a like a like a ball at the end of it, or what's at the end of it? I'm, I'm gonna if it's a ball, it's half the size of a golf ball. Okay. It's, you know, it's it's small. It's maybe. Um, a round version of a nickel. Okay. Okay. And the, ch the chain is about, I'm saying, about two and a half feet. All right. And it's just it's a spinning, turning weapon that you use, I guess, much like a nunchuck. Is this but, a ninjit? Uh, is this a ninjutsu weapon? I've had it since I'm nine, so it probably is. Okay. From my from my ninja days, but right. I've had this thing in my gym bag since I'm a kid, and I've never stopped playing with it. <laughs> I've never stopped playing with it since, I mean, I don't want to say nine. Nine would be an exaggeration. Since I'm 15, okay. I have this chain. I, I, I've been calling it Masingari, Okay. I have no clue if that's the real name. Okay. I'll, <laughs> but, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll ask the Google gods after this podcast, and then yeah, we'll, talk, and, we'll discuss your pronunciation on the next one. <laughs> and I had two of them. I remember having two of them as a kid. I had one that was black, which of course was during the ninja craze. Right. And the one I still have is uh, like 
I guess at one time it was silver, and now it's just like an ugly, rusted-out silver. But right, I still, right. I still play with it all the time. That's awesome. I love that thing. It's uh, anyway. So listen, if you're interested in taking lessons in Jeet Kune Do from me or Wing Chun, um, you can give me a call at nine one seven five zero nine nine zero zero eight, or um, my website's being updated as we speak. Um, I have someone working on my website. And that should be up and running by next week, they tell me. And that'll be SeanMadigan.com. And awesome. we'll uh, have a full thing going on. Hopefully classes can start up in a few weeks. And um, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I, uh, I think it's going to be a good thing. I actually have one more thing I want to talk about, if you don't mind, real quick, before we yeah, get sure. started. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'm really happy and really proud to um, announce that, you know, I don't know if you know, I have a... My kung fu family. I don't have. A, I don't want to say organization because one thing, I'm not organized. But <laughs> I have a kung fu family. We call it Big JKD because I'm big into JKD. A lot of thought went into that. But um, and so we have a few reps. You know, we have a few people, and literally, it's just, it's we're very small. Where it's more like a kung fu family than anything. I mean, and um, we have a, someone who. Like kind of officially officially joined our Kung Fu family. Tom Edison, who's the Jikindo instructor under my Sifu, Steve Golden, in, in uh, the United Kingdom, is officially part of my Kung Fu family now. He always was like, through Steve Golden, but under my little umbrella of it. And um, where he's going to be teaching under Big JKD, and I could not be happier. This That's awesome. Is so smart, so funny, and he's sexy as fuck. So, <laughs> I, met, I met Tom before, and uh, actually we went out to eat with uh, with Steve Golden after a seminar, and man, we just had such a good time. He was he was so much fun, and and unfortunately we ate at the very end of the seminar, and after we had like this really great meal where we, you know, we we're kind of making each other laugh. I really had wish I had spent more time with him on that trip because he's just just really good people and super super funny guy. Oh, absolutely. Which is, which is rare in martial arts that people actually have a sense of humor. Right, you know, the first time I met Tom was probably like, I'm going to say three years ago. And uh, I was meeting him at this hotel that we were, meeting, we were bringing Steve Golden to. And he's the kind of guy he is. I walk in, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little apprehensive about meeting all these guys I had never met before. You know, everybody, everybody's so quick to judge you and shit. Sure. And I walk in, and as soon as I see the guy, I, I just knew, like, I had never met him. I actually had never seen a picture of him before. And I walk <laughs> in, and I see this dude look at me. And he goes, big sexy, and he comes running up and he hugs me. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy is awesome, you know? <laughs> and we've been friends like ever since. And he's just so, so smart. It's, um, he's one of the few people in Jeet Kune Do that, I mean, I probably should call it to everybody, but I, I always call him Seeing in, in Jeet Kune Do because he just, I mean, I've learned so much from him. It's amazing. He's one of these guys that just uh, incredibly smart. Awesome. And, he, and he's going to do awesome. So by, by next week, I'll have a contact. So by next week, I'll try and have a contact page for you guys. If not by next week, the week after. And um, he'll have something set up. And he's running a school right now in, in England, in, in the United Kingdom. So, um, but I, I don't want to screw up the, the location when I'm talking to him. <laughs> Send him to his competitor by right, accident. It's exactly <laughs> right. Cause, you know, to me, it's like, okay, so... For you folks that are not from New York, and Alex will absolutely um, agree with this, even though we've never spoken about it before, but it's a New York thing. 
there's New York, New Yorkers look at the world in this way. There's New York and there's not New York. Okay? <laughs> so there's New York. And if it's in New York or from New York, it's important. If yes. it's outside of New York, it could be important if it affects New York. Right. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, like, I know there's Tennessee because there's country music from there. And in <laughs> L.A. they make movies. But other than that, I really don't care too much about the rest of the country. Because well, it's I mean, not e New York. E even for New Yorkers, I mean, when you just drive just north of New York City and you go you past the Bronx, you're in the Yonkers. After you pass Yonkers, you're already in what we call upstate New York. Upstate and, New York, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and you're, you, you might actually still be 20 minutes away from New York City. But by that <laughs> point, once you pass Yonkers, you're in upstate. And that's like a whole other country for us there. You might as well be in Canada as far as we're concerned. <laughs> right. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. So I got a question for you, brother. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, we shoot. All, we all know that there are some pretty stupid freaking arguments in the world of martial arts. Mm -hmm. If I said to you, what is the top two or three dumbest arguments in martial arts, would lineage be on that list? Absolutely, along with how many bricks can your Sifu break? Nine. I would put, I would definitely not. Well, that's it? Oh, come on. <laughs> I have two friends, two really good friends that are serious martial artists from legitimate lineages, you know, they're not, you know, it's not like uh, some moron watched some VHS tapes and watched some YouTube videos and kind of created his own quote-unquote Wing Chun. These guys are some, <laughs> well, I mean, that's true. I, you know, it's like these guys, they watch these fucking YouTube videos, they watch DVDs or VHS tapes, and they create their own Wing Chun, and it's just, it's the most moronic thing. I think they're probably watching VHS tapes. They are. No, oh, I'm sure, you know. Still. Right, right, still. It's Betamax. Anyway, I got two friends of mine on Facebook, two legitimately good friends of mine that are serious martial artists who were having this nice discussion about the differences in their lineages, mm -hmm. how their lineage like um, deals with a certain issue or, or a certain section in, in a form. Hey, what, is this, what, what does your Sifu teach you about this section, that kind of thing? It turned into this flame war over because wow. it, it, it went from it went from hey you know what we look at it like this to well you know what your teacher sucks and my lineage does it differently and my lineage is pure and your wow. lineage is tainted and <laughs> it went from like well that's from I remember one guy saying that uh, what what he was teaching was from the Foshan era and. What he, the other guy was doing was from a later era in Hong Kong. And, uh -huh. and he knows this for an absolute <laughs> fact. Right, well, because, you know, he has a... Uh, he, he was there, a, of course. He, he had a drone over, Yip, over Yip Man's house. And, that's right, that's right. And I just think it's ridiculous. Why can't people just freaking be happy? Like, I, like one of the reasons I think Alex and I are such good friends is because we don't give a shit what the other one does in Wing Chun. That's right, that, and, that, that, and alcohol, too. Alcohol helps. Well, this is true. I mean, you know, <laughs> and we can't tell them the third reason because then they'll put an explicit mark on that. <laughs> but, uh, no, and when I say we don't give a shit what each other does, it doesn't mean that we don't care or couldn't learn from each other. It means I respect what Alex does, and he respects what I do, even if they're totally different. Right. And if he said to me, hey, you know what? I do, that for, I do this for this reason. I'll look at it and say, oh, wow. Okay, maybe I should, you know, do that. Or maybe I'll look at it and say, you know, that's not for me. Right. But 
it, it's not an indictment on what he does or what I do. And people have to look at like lineages and say, hey, listen, it's a legitimate lineage. Maybe I do it differently. But you still have to respect the fact that that's a, a, a proper lineage. And right. Well, I think what takes me aback a little bit is that um, I'm surprised that they actually even had that conversation face to face. That seems to be the thing that usually only happens behind the comfort of your keyboard and a very, very uh, uh, distant uh, uh, Internet connection between you and the person who you are flaming with. It's actually right. rare that two people would have that discussion face to face. And uh, I mean, I think it also just shows a lot for people's insecurity. It's like, um, are you able to look? I mean, if you're comfortable with what you're doing, all right, and you, you know, feel confident that you are skillful and, you know, your Sifu's a good guy and you come from a good line and you're, and let's just say you're content with what you're doing. All right. And nothing, and this leaves the discussion out of the discussion, whether you're interested in what other people do or you want to cross train. Let's like leave all of that stuff out of the discussion. Let's right. just say, let's just imagine that you're actually content with what you do, that you're not, not happy, that you're happy, that you're not like constantly uh, um, insecure about, well, somebody said this and, you know, I have to tell them that they're wrong. I mean, why do, why do people really care so much about what other people say? I mean, I, I don't understand people still getting butt hurt about, you know, if somebody says we use Bongsao as a hard block and, and then we do this and the other style says Bongsao is a, uh, you know, a passive uh, reaction. It's not a block or whatever. If you're from the camp that says bonks, that was a passive reaction. I mean, why would you get butt hurt if somebody else says that it's a block? I mean, wh wh why does that upset you? Because it's like, are you are you trying to be like an evangelical Wing Chun person where you will <laughs> you you will not be satisfied unless everybody else understands Wing Chun the same way you do? And then if that's the case. If you think what you do is so good, how are you going to stand out if everyone's doing the same thing, right? It's like it's actually a very self-defeating argument, and, and it just speaks to a lot of insecurity uh, with people who, who kind of go that route. And it's like, bro, is it still 1983? Are we? Is this argument even really still happening? It's very strange. It's, it's crazy. I mean, could you imagine? Oh no, Alex and I can't be friends because we shift differently in Chamkyo. I mean, you know. Oh, that's it. I won't even break bread with you, man. I'm going right. home. That's it's like, crazy. well, you know, this fucking guy doesn't even know how to shift. I mean, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. You know, it's like, it, it gets ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And also what's funny is if for, for people who've been to Hong Kong, um, that kind of tribalism that exists between, and I can only speak, speak about the Yip Man Wing Chun branches because that's what I have the most um, exposure to. But I know for a fact from my friends in other martial arts, this goes on in Hongar. This goes on in Kyokushin Karate. This goes on in all of the martial oh, arts that people give a crap also. about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm only going to kind of speak uh, about the stuff that's kind of in my backyard. For the most part, most of the Sifus in Hong Kong, um, they are 100% convinced that what they do is better than everybody else. This is a given. I mean, right. if and any Sifu there, regardless of what their lineage is or who their Sifu is or whether they teach it traditionally the way they Sifu taught them or they openly admit that they change stuff, whatever it is, everyone is pretty damn convinced that they teach the best Wing Chun. And I don't care who you go to, it's always the same. But most of them are at least able to have a cordial relationship with other seafoods. So it, it would not be uncommon that you might see um, in the Wing On Plaza on Nathan Road that Leung Ting and Wan Kam Leung will actually have dim sum together. 
You know what I right, mean? Right, right. And, 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 and that wouldn't be weird. And the two of them have known each other since, uh, actually, they knew each other from back in the Leung Song days. Because before Wan Kam Leung became a student of Wong Sun Leung, he actually was Leung Song's student, just like Leung Ting was. And they've known each other from back then. And the thing is, the students might be online going like, oh, the, you know, WT versus Wan Kam Leung, Wing Chun, and blah, 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 blah. And then, but the two of the people at the head of it, actually are totally cool with each other and people forget right. this kind of stuff you know and yes of course we all know that behind closed doors what what these respective masters might say to their own students is a little bit different but they can at least be cordial with each other and show face and not be a jackass in person you know and i think that you know and and if they're the ones who are actually in hong kong they're the main guys and if they can do it then there's no reason why some chuckleheads in the states who are a couple you know generations down the line can't just calm the hell down you know i mean you know look, again look at you and i We're two different lineages you know i'm good looking it's like you know it's uh I'm completely deformed. That's why I always hide my face in public. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, you have 0% body fat. Oh, listen, that's one thing I wanted to bring up. I, again, I'm surprising Alex with this. Uh -huh. I think we're going to have to have like a fundraiser telethon for Alex to buy him a shirt. Because if I see one more fucking picture of him without a shirt on on Facebook, <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. So if everybody can eat like PayPal Alex, like a nickel... And maybe, like, he can come up with a T-shirt to put on so that I don't have to know what his nipples look like. That would be awesome. <laughs> hey, both of those, first of all, I live in a New York apartment, which if anybody who lives in New York or lives in a big city like Hong Kong knows, uh, these old apartments don't have central air. You know, we have, like, an air conditioning unit in our window, you know, because we, we don't have houses in New York. We have old apartments. So it gets really hot here in the summer. Plus, I live on the top floor of my building. So I am, like, without a shirt at home anyway and most of those photos i'm with my daughter so what the hell are you doing looking at my nipples you weirdo <laughs> <laughs> well, they're quite attractive sometimes i photoshop them i put like eyebrows on them uh, i see i see i Just see a, when you next time you come to my house don't look on the wall in the bathroom because okay not, okay you're not okay gonna be comfortable by the way, my, for the people who do want to get, one. by the way, for people who do want to get me a T-shirt, I am a size small. By the way, so go. <laughs> there I, you go. I'm the opposite. <laughs> awesome. Well, we've cleared that, so we, I, I suppose we can continue. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to end it with. I compare martial arts to other hobbies and other things all the time. You often hear me, even on the podcast, refer to sports analogies and when talking to distance and rhythm and things to that effect one of my hobbies is playing uh guitars another one i like to do is building plastic models yeah i know i'm a dork and i don't care i like to build plastic models i build fighter planes and things to that effect if alex had a free 10 minutes on his hand one month and decided to build a plastic model and he liked building tanks and i liked building fighter planes it Arguing over which lineage is better is as dumb as arguing over which is better, building plant tanks or building fighter planes. It's the same shit, folks. It's our fucking hobbies. Relax. Right. If you're happy, be happy. If you're content, be content. If it makes you happy, do what you got to do. Stop fighting with people, especially your own friends. 
Right. Well, I, I always I always compare it to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's like, obviously, if, if people come from like the Gracie Academy, whether they come from the original one in, in Rio or they, they go to the Gracie Academy in Beverly Hills or whatever, you know, they can claim that they are like really close to the source through their lineage or whatever. But that's actually something you very rarely hear in Brazilian jiu-jitsu because in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, all you need to do is go on the mats with somebody and show them what you can do. And that's the only thing that matters. And I right. think part of the, space. yeah, part of the problem in Wing Chun is, yeah, okay. And I'm not advocating that Wing Chun people should go out and punch each other in the face to see who the toughest dude is. But because Wing Chun people are not, we don't participate in any kind of sporting events. I mean, besides the ones who do the strange point kung fu tournaments or the weird chi sao tournaments, I'm kind of discounting all that stuff because it's kind of not my world. Um, but they can very clearly see who is uh, better and who's not. And this is completely independent of whether you are one generation away from Helio Gracie or you learn from a guy who learned 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 from Helio Gracie because anybody who learns Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from a competent instructor has just as much of a chance from anybody else. And the truth is, it's the same way in every single martial art. There's absolutely zero reason why some great grand student of Yip Man during the Hong Kong times couldn't kick the snot out of a direct student of Yip Man if he just actually trained hard and applied what he learned. But there's this presupposition that lineage automatically means if you're closer that you must be better. And this is absolutely not the case. This has nothing to do with sports science or performance. Anybody who, who practices and knows what they're doing and has a good coach has a chance to uh, succeed. For example, what what is GSP's lineage in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? How many right, generations right. is he from the from the the founder? What uh, Damian Maia, one of the best Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guys? What's his what generation is he from the founder? Is he a fourth generation, a fifth, or a third? Who gives a crap? But in Wing Chun, this is such a ridiculous argument, as if that any of that stuff actually matters when someone's standing in front of you trying to punch you in the face. Right, it's so true. I mean, even you look at um, credentials. If you look, if you look at in the world of boxing or MMA, I mean, what's uh, Mike Tyson trained with Customato? Yeah, who what's, who didn't even who didn't even fight himself by the way? It was just a damn good coach. Lineage? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't even have these arguments in the sports that actually go out and really fight. And it seems that there almost seems to be a direct correlation with the, if, if a martial art fights very, the, the less a martial art actually goes out and scraps, the higher people give a crap about what generation you are and all this kind of stuff. Like you see it a lot in the Tai Chi guys, you know, they're like, oh, he's a direct disciple. Of so and, and it's such a big deal and all that kind of stuff. It's like, all right, I'm going to put a pair of boxing gloves on. I'm going to punch you in the face. And I want to see what your generation of Tai Chi or Wing Chun or whatever does against that. And that's never the argument. It's always like, you know, it's always these kind of ridiculous, um, you know, genealogical uh, uh, ideas that have really nothing to do with the real world. Right. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, it's going to sound weird. I, 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 Wing Chun, Chi Kune Do, as I know them, well, absolutely, I, I find them to be functional martial arts that will help you defend yourself. Yes. But that's not the reason I do them, okay? Right. I kind of, I do them because I like them. How dare you? How dare right, you? you know, it's like, I enjoy doing them. So, oh my God, this is blasphemy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going right. to have to get out of here. So if, if someone could prove to me that, so I train in Moyat lineage, okay? Um, also known as the 100% pure, perfect lineage. And <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I, so I train in Moyat lineage. My, my, my Sifu was a disciple of Moyat. If someone and people will say to me, I've, I, I mean, I have the Facebook messages. Sean, you should be trading in such and such a lineage, 
instead of the Moyal lineage. And I say, yeah, but my Sifu does Moyal lineage. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's my friend, you know? And I, I train in Moyal lineage because I enjoy spending time with my Sifu. He's Imagine my friend. That. Exactly right, you know? And how am I going to learn that other lineage from him? Because he doesn't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if another lineage is considered, you know, more Kung Fu brutal than my lineage. Because that's not the primary focus for me. Listen, I'm, you know, I'm a 51-year-old fat guy living on Staten Island. I don't get in a lot of fights. I, you know, this is not a big part of my life. I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I like to laugh a lot. I like to have fun. And if people get nasty with me, I'm more apt to make them laugh than cry. So, <laughs> well, it is. If someone starts goofing on me, I'm more apt to I'm more apt to like try and make friends with them or make them laugh to ease the situation. Right. <laughs> so being a badass is not my primary concern. Being happy is my primary concern. And I think if more people would look at that way of life. There would be less of the internet bullshit of like, oh, I'll fight you for saying that your seafood is better than my bullshit. You know, people just need to chill out a little bit. Yeah, it's also funny too. And students occasionally they'll bring up stuff to me, like somebody has some comment on YouTube on one of my Howcast videos or something like that. They'll be like, Sifu, look what this person wrote. And when I read that stuff, I find it really funny. Like I, I, I laugh so hard at that stuff. Even when people write really crazy things, some guy said um, on one of my Howcast videos, like, oh yeah, well like Tito Ortiz would just totally choke this dude out. <laughs> and I could not stop laughing because I mean, really? first of all, that's probably totally true. Second of all, um, Somebody went out of their way who clearly doesn't know anything about Wing Chun to comment on a video about a style he knows nothing about just to say that this skinny white dude would get choked out by Tito Ortiz. It's like, dude, I, are you sure you don't have anything more important going on in your life that this is really the thing you have to dedicate, you know, brain time for? You know, it's, it's, I find it really funny when people write crap about me in the Internet. Uh, I, I actually have a very funny visceral reaction. I literally just I can't stop laughing because I think it's really funny that people go out of their way to write about me because I'm such an easygoing dude and why people would be offended because they don't like how I teach bongs how uh, is completely beyond me <laughs> like when I they mean, get angry about it and the most annoying thing about your howcast videos is how fucking short they are yes of course of course well you know it's, I'm, it's, sitting it's, there and I'm like you know, I, I'm, I I've watched those videos long before we met uh-huh and I'm like, okay, okay, I like this shit. And he's stopping. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, that, but that's how cast format. They're like three to four minute videos. No, and, I get it. And, you know, it, it's kind of, it's a bit like a drug dealer. It's like, you know, the first one is free. If right. you, hey kids, if you want to know more about Pac Thou, you're going to have to come <laughs> to Uncle Alex and pay him some more money. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, these are all just like free hits for everybody to get them hooked, you know. And it, they've worked pretty well. I mean, the, the thing's like four years old and I still get plenty of compliments on that. So, uh, and and we shot all 52 videos in like two three hours, uh, wow. completely un completely unscripted. They're just like this is the topic. I'm like great shoot. They just rolled the camera and I just all that was just stream of consciousness. That's so awesome. And I got a real quick story. So years ago, and I'm talking, it's got to be 15 years ago. I was selling a series of instructional Jikundo VHS tapes. Wow, VHS. I had three or four tapes. And how they came to be was I, I used to get like, tons of phone calls from people like because of my website, 
it was, you know, people call me up and ask questions. And one day, this guy calls me up, and he says, um, oh, he goes, do you have any videotapes for sale? And I said, I didn't, right? I go, yeah, I do. He said, oh, my God, how much do you charge? So I'm like, well, they're, and I forget what the number was. I pulled some number out of my ass, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the first tape is, you know, Chikundo uh, Foundation. Second tape is on the kickboxing aspects. And the third tape is on uh, energy sensitivity and trapping. And uh, they're $20 a tape. And I said, but we're out right now. But I'm going to be getting more in in a couple of weeks. And next thing I know, I get like this. At the time, it was like one of the first times I get PayPal. I get like this PayPal thing for like 60 bucks, And I'm like, shit, we got to film these tapes. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put yourself in a situation. That's so funny. No, someone sent me cash. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So I literally... <laughs> Call up some buddies of mine. We hang a white sheet on the wall. Holy <laughs> crap. I'm going to find this video and I'm going to post it somewhere. Oh, I have. Next time you come over, I can show you the video. Oh, I, I would it. love to see this. Oh, and, my God. And they're horrific. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking horrible, man. Like, wow. everybody that's bought them, I should owe you money. But, <laughs> but you know, and we shot all three tapes in one afternoon. And no, I shouldn't say they weren't hot. Actually, I, they got a lot of positive feedback for homemade tapes. And um, and we got so many orders. I was like, oh, that was the price. Okay. So it was like $20 a tape. And if you ordered all three, it was like three for $50. Wow. <laughs> and my poor wife, we were getting so many orders that I had to buy like 10 VHS machine VCRs. Wow. And like daisy chain them. So that she could put like one tape in and make like 10 copies at a time. Holy cow. We got to a point where we were like selling, I'm going to say 15 to 20 sets a week. Wow. For the longest time. Wow. And then it was just like, you know, if it, it phased out, you know. But, um, right, right. That was, that was an interesting time. That was, wow, uh, that's funny. <laughs> speaking of which, I'm going to have a set of three DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> For thirty dollars each this time. Right, exactly right. Awesome. So, Alex, you uh, since I ambushed you saying about the Yip Man versus Ip Man. Yes. Like uh, chatting about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I guess most people who are going to be listening to this podcast uh, won't be able to come to my uh, event on Friday because, well, one, if they're not in the New York area, it's kind of a hard one to, to make anyway. But uh, <laughs> two, two, we've also, like I mentioned earlier, we completely sold out, which is amazing. I'm so happy about that. Um, yes, basically, um, we're going to show the trailer to a documentary I'm making called The Real Yip Man, spelled with a Y. And uh, that's about a six-minute long trailer, which uh, you see some of the interviews that I did with uh, people like Siva Chenchi Man and uh, Kent Lee, Roland, uh, Roland Tong, um, you know, some very close uh, early period students of, of Yip Man telling some very cool stories. And after that, I'm going to show, um, you know, show some clips from the various uh, IP Man movies. And uh, by the way, I think everybody should call all of those Yip Man movies the IP Man movies because people say that anyway. And I want there to be a very clear distinction between Yip Man, the real guy, and IP Man, this, uh, you know, 
Tony Stark like superhero played by Donnie Yen and Anthony Wong and so on. Um, you know, there needs to be a strong separation between those two so, so people don't get them mixed up. Um, and that's part of the reason why I'm doing the project. It's that, uh, you know, we're in a very critical time point right now as far as the history and, and preservation of the Yip Man style is concerned because there are very few of Yip Man's uh, close students who are still around. And uh, most of them, I'll tell you, just from what they've told me, are not very happy about the IP Man movies. Uh, they they think that it's essentially casting a, uh, the wrong light on who their Sifu was. And, you know, for them, Yip Man was their Sifu. He wasn't this, like, superhero guy that, you know, beats up 10 karate guys and fights dudes on tables and, you know, takes challenges from boxers by the name of Twister in a boxing ring at the ripe old age of 60. You know, so I think that, I think they're kind of tired of uh, I mean, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I actually am very happy for the films. The films have been great for business. They brought a lot of Chinese students to my school and it's great promotion. I mean, I always get invited to those premieres and, you know, I mean, I'm not going to complain about it from a historical standpoint because those films are not documentaries. They're supposed to make money and that's what they do. Um, Yip Man 3 was the highest grossing film in Hong Kong uh, in 2015 it even beat star wars in hong kong which is pretty amazing so um that's just a testament to the uh uh marketability of, of of his name and the problem with that is now that a lot of his senior students so if they're not already passed away they're getting they're getting up there in age uh the narrative is changing because now it's basically you know i have students come into my school and they're like yeah i love the ip man movie uh did he really you know beat 10 karate black belts and it's like well, why would you think that that necessarily happened just because it was in the movie? But the problem is people seriously ask those questions now. And the real story of Yip Man, I mean, he was born in the Qing dynasty. Uh, you know, he, he went through the turmoil of the Republic and, and you know, the occupation of, of China by the Japanese and the rise of the communists. I mean, he went through so many different phases culturally of China and then ended up living into a very modern era. He's a very interesting character in terms of like what he's seen and done in the texture of, of, uh, of uh, Chinese history and not just in martial arts. And the real stories concerning Yip Man are far more interesting than this crap they keep writing. And this, the writing keeps getting worse in every, like in the case of the Donnie Yen movies, the first movie was really great. It was very entertaining, even if the story wasn't really accurate. The second one was just a pile of crap. I mean, they, they, they completely sold out just to sell that film in China. And they put all the standard elements that you need to put to market a film in China. You know, put some big dopey Westerner who's oppressing the Chinese and then have your Chinese hero beat up that guy and you'll automatically make $10 million in China you know it's like it's the same formula that they always use and Yip Man 3 was just ridiculous I mean that was one of the most unwatchable films I've seen in, in quite some time um, but it's sold like crazy I mean people like it so I think what I need to do and what I'm trying to do through the documentary is that before it's too late I mean just think look at all the people who are already gone Choi Sung Tin passed away Wong Sun Leung is gone obviously Bruce Lee's not around um, so the yeah, Grandmaster Moyat, you know, I mean, and just imagine, I mean, and like, for example, in the case of Moyat, he was a very close personal student of Yip Man. I mean, you can imagine the stories he had, even just outside of the teaching Kung Fu stuff. And, and these are these are stories that, well, I mean, quite frankly, they're gone. Right. And, 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 and what are you going to do? Of course, some of his students heard the stories, but it's already secondhand by the time they're telling them to you. Wow. And, and... I don't want it to be too late. So with the guys who are remaining, I really want to tell this story before we're left with nothing but second and third hand stories and 
uh, IP man fables that have been brought up from these films, you know? So that's kind of the main thrust of why I'm doing the documentary. And uh, the talk is going to, um, you know, talk about those things, why it's important to do this and, and uh, why research in Kung Fu, honest research, not research where you just find a Wing Chun lineage out of China so you can sell it to your students for thousands of bucks. Like, hey, look at what I found. And it's better than the Yip Man style. I mean, actual research where it's, it's not biased. It's not based on commercialism. It's not based on uh, selling something to your students or whatever or or trying to tell your students that Wing Chun is Tai Chi or or you know something like that it, it's uh it has to be done honestly and 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 this is a big problem in Chinese Kung Fu so um that's kind of the first part um so you mean so you mean Yip Man didn't move from Foshan to Hong Kong to get away from the Japanese invaders <laughs> well yeah I mean even that timeline is completely wrong I mean if you uh, if if you actually tell the real story which is that he was escaping communist because he was a member of the Kuomintang party um, he was essentially blacklisted the day they took over um, you can't you can't put that in a movie because the movie wouldn't pass the censorship boards in China uh, they would take one look at that and say wait a minute you're this sounds somewhat anti-communist and they would ban the movie in China so of course you have to use the the most reliable bad guys in in hong kong cinema which are the japanese and uh it's very easy to make those guys the bad guys and nobody cares about that i don't even think the japanese care because they're so used to it at this point um <laughs> they, they actually seem to like all those movies and the japanese love bruce lee's films even when he's kicking the snot out of them um even though they're usually chinese actors playing japanese um but uh, that that that's a whole other thing right there but the timeline is skewed yeah grandmaster yip man left uh, China in 1949, the uh, Japanese occupation, at least of Hong Kong, was in 1942. So um, there's some real shoddy storyline and timeline stuff going on there. Uh, it's like to, to uh, make it seem like he left because of the Japanese. Um, but as Herman Yao said, Herman Yao was the director of uh, Yip Man, The Final Fight, which is, in my opinion, it's the best of all the Yip Man movies because it's the closest to the actual story. It even touches on things like his uh, drug problem, um, the fact that he had the that uh, Shanghai uh, uh, mistress, the you know the girl of ill repute with an excellent reputation, you know that his students didn't really like. All that was actually true. Um, and they, I was surprised that they actually had the candor to tell that in in the movie. And and Singkotlam, who's the producer of most of those Yip Man movies, I met him last year, and he also told me that that was his favorite of all the movies because he felt it was the most accurate. In fact, Anthony Wong is the only guy who played Yip Man who actually, in my opinion, tried to act like Yip Man. He he spoke Cantonese with a Fatsan accent. And he actually tried to copy his mannerisms in terms of like how uh, Grandmaster Yip Man held the cigarette. I think there was a story Yip Chun was talking about how how his father would put the ashes in his hands. And, and they actually told that to Anthony Wong. So he did that in the film. And it, when you look at and this is no knock on Donnie Yen, because I think Donnie Yen is right now the greatest Asian action star out there, I think. There is only Donnie Yen and every and everybody else comes after him. He is the best right now. Um, but as far as his acting as Yip Man, I mean, when you watch the Yip Man movies with Donnie Yen, it's basically Donnie Yen wearing the the Yip Man outfit, the Chang Sam, and you know just being Donnie Yen. Uh, pretending to be a guy named Yip Man and, and he doesn't really try to act like the old man would he just kind of acts like a like a superhero so um, you, you know the that's kind of an interesting part of the story that over the five or six movies that have covered his life only one kind of got it right or even had the courage to somewhat tell the story correctly and the 
the director Herman Yao said that they were up against the censorship boards the whole time. He couldn't even mention the 1967 riots in Hong Kong, which uh, uh, had which were about the Communist Party. He couldn't even put that in the film. He had to make the riots in the film about a, some kind of labor dispute. So everything is being censored that that's being made in Hong Kong right now. So it's. Uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but we're here in America. We can say whatever the hell we want about them damn communists. Yeah, except America. For, <laughs> America. Except for the version that I'll market in China, which I'll clean up so we can market in China. Because <laughs> that's a huge market, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I will totally sell out for the Chinese market, but maybe we'll have an American edit where I go, okay, well, here's the real story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm really interested in the, um, in, in the, in the Yip Man story. I, I, if I had... One of, one of the things I'm most lacking in in Wing Chun is in its uh, knowing its history. I, I, I just, I, I never really had an interest in it earlier. And um, in becoming friends with you and in just in general, our talks, I, I, I sit there and say, wow, I really missed out on a lot, like not paying attention to that, you know? And um, so I, I've read a couple of things about his time in Foshan. I've read some stuff about his time in Hong Kong and my Sifu spent the last six or seven years of uh, Moyat's life with him, um, eating lunch with him every day. So um, he heard tons of stories, so he tells me tons of stories. And I find it so interesting, the relationships that he had with his students and, you know, the, uh, the good and bad relationships he's had with some of his students and the, right. you know, some of the things that, at least that Moyat said that, uh, Yip Man did and said that I just find so fascinating, you know, and it's, it's, it's and some of it has actually made me grow up in Wing Chun a little bit and, and, and act more like a man. And what I mean by that is um, at one point we were going through something with, I, I had asked my Sifu a bunch of questions about uh, the third form, Yuji. And, um, and he, he, as, as he will do from time to time, made fun of me by saying, why are you worrying about that? Your chunk cue still sucks. <laughs> and he had said to me, and again, this was, you know, third hand now, I guess, you know, that uh, supposedly Yip Man had said to Moyat that if one of his, if one of his students knew Sunam Dao and chunk and lost a fight, he would jump off a building. Yeah, I've heard that story before. I actually put that story in my book. Yeah, I, that's a famous story. Oh really? Okay, so yeah, I you know I didn't I didn't get a chance to read your book, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but um so you know and I and I remember thinking like wow like at first like when he first when my seafood first told me that I was kind of like oh okay and then like I remember that night sitting down on the couch saying if that's an actual quote why am I worrying why why am I even spending so much time thinking about Fuji just because that happens to be the form that I'm on at the time right. I should be concentrating more and more on Sunan Dao and, and Jankyu. If, sure. if, if, if Yip Man actually said that, it, it goes to show you, like, I don't want to say the, the, how little the importance of Buji is, but the real true importance of the first two forms. And yep. it really made me go back and dedicate myself to relearning those forms right. and spending more time on them. And, yeah. and I feel like I, I, I always say, like, that's when I kind of grew up in Wing Chun. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, the first two forms are really the operating system. The uh, BUG, at least as we teach it, is you know a little bit more for special situations. But really, the the meat and potatoes of Wing Chun is the first two forms. I, I call that the the OS or the operating system, and those are the ones that need to be internalized, uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, the most because that's really what you're going to be using most of the time. Yeah, like I said, it made me go back. It made me go back to relearning those forms, not relearning them, but relooking at them. And sure. It was it was it was at that time there that I that my mindset and Wing Chun changed, and I think not that at the time I realized it or would even admit it or use these words, but now I realize back then I was in a race to just learn more forms. Right. It was oh you know I okay I'm I'm if I was if I was supposed to be practicing Sunam Dao I was concentrating on Chum Q. If I was supposed to be learning Chum Q, I was looking at Buji, saying, oh, I can't wait to learn that. Sure. You know what I mean? When I was learning Yeah, my Buji, students are the same way. Right? I, I think Buji, everyone's that way. <laughs> and I'm looking at the Mukjang Jong, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get on that thing, you know? Right. And, yeah. and it made me go back and say, oh, wait, no, hey, schmuck, the two most important things you learned 10 years ago, let's go back and look at those again, Sure, you know? sure, sure. And I oh, really it, feel like that was an important part of my Wing Chun development. Yeah, and, and I mean, the stories are part of the fabric and the texture of what we do. I mean, it's it's more than just punching and kicking. You know, by the way, one of the things I'm going to talk about is, uh, and I mentioned it briefly already in this podcast, I'll just say this one last thing, um, is the whole IP, why, why IP man spelling thing. Because, you know, like, like you know, us old school cats have been doing this for a long time. I mean, if you pick up everything from the original green Bruce Lee book, which was, you know, James E.M. Lee's Wing Chun book, which was actually written by Bruce Lee, um, you know, to the Greco Wong book, to all like the original books from the 70s and 80s on Wing Chun, it was always YIP. Right. And if you look in the magazines, it was always YIP. And Black Belt Magazine, even in the early 70s when Yip Man was still around, it was YIP. And I don't think it was until 1990 or 1991 when the genealogy of the Wing Chun um, family book came out, which was the Wing Chun Athletic Association's kind of official genealogy book, where they first hijacked the spelling to IP. And the problem is that it's it's completely hijacked now. I mean, if it's it's almost like a political correctness thing. If you spell it YIP, there's somebody says, oh, no, 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 you need to spell it IP because, you know, actually in Yip Man's ID photo, it was spelt like this. And they, they reference this one ID photo where it says IP. But actually, if you look at it, it says IPYAT, like IP yet so whoever whatever british bureaucrat tried to transcribe his name into our alphabet really butchered it because they went from yitman to ipyat and based on some stupid british bureaucrat mucking up our great grandmaster's name now all generations have to couch out to this senseless idea that his name is now IP man. And, and you know, it man is not a proper uh, phonetization. I mean, his name in Cantonese is Yip. Yip means leaf. It's Yip Man. And that's right. YIP. If you use the romanization from the Yale system, they're going to use it YIIHP or YIP in the sixth tone or whatever. And that's that's the way it's spelled. And that's the way it's always spelled. And that some even his son spelled it that way. And it wasn't until like the last 15, 20 years, suddenly even his sons changed the spelling and everyone changes spelling. And suddenly, if, if you're not on board with this new spelling, you are like, uh, I don't know, they, they say you're being disrespectful to his name or whatever. And I'll tell you one thing. 
in October of 1972, which was just a couple months before uh, Yip Man passed away, he formed his own association, which was separate from the Wing Chun Athletic Association. Um, he did this because at that time he was having some kind of financial dispute with uh, those who were running the Wing Chun Athletic Association, which is like a whole other story. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to form his own association. And he called it the Yip Man Martial Art Association. And in the uh, actual articles of the company, the articles of formation, which are public record in Hong Kong, you can even find them online. Uh, he spelt it Y-I-P. And wow. under his name as the director, it was his name with the address and his son, Yip Ching, who also lived together. They lived together on 149 Tung Choi Street in Mong Kok. And then there was another guy, his surname, Tom. I, I, I don't know if he was a Wing Chun guy or just a business partner, but there were three people there. And both Yip Man and Yip Ching spelled it Y-I-P. And the association was called the Y-I-P Man uh, Martial Arts Association. Nice. So the actual evidence that we have when Yip Man, the only evidence we have of where he actually phoneticizes his name into our alphabet, he uses it Y-I-P. So I'm going to go totally old school and I don't care what some British bureaucrat did to, <laughs> to our poor great grandmaster Yip Man's name in the 50s. I don't give a crap. It's always been Y-I-P. It was Y-I-P when I was a kid. And if Y-I-P is good enough for Bruce Lee, that spelling is good enough for me, sir. So I'm going to keep it with that. Okay, so now be careful there. I got to catch on something here. Yeah. I have Bruce Lee's original notes that he gave to his students back in, you know, the uh, LA, the LA Chinatown schools and, and yes. earlier. And he has this, um, you know, I guess uh, what the Chinese word for this is, that kind of thing going on. Right. Terminology page. Yes. And he spells Sifu. S E A space F O O. Yes, I've seen I've seen that. Like because uh, again, well, Bruce Lee was a pioneer in many respects. There were no, uh, there were very little Cantonese martial arts styles that were being taught, uh, that were being written down in any kind of book form. And he was the first person to do it. And Cantonese is notoriously difficult. If you don't know the Yale system of romanization, um, most Hong Kong Chinese have zero concept of how to phoneticize Cantonese, which is one of the reasons why it's really difficult to learn and why you have V-I-N-G-T-S-U-N, W-I-N-G-C-H-U-N, you know, where you have all these different ridiculous spellings because they don't even know how to put this stuff into our alphabet and yeah bruce lee had some some funny one he even spelled wing chun c-h-u-n-g in the yeah, uh right, um right, right. In, in the um his first book the uh, going Fu: the philosophical art of self-defense so you know he it took him a couple a couple tries but he, he eventually you know he eventually seemed to have corrected it at least by the time uh the green book came out the first time i remember seeing ip man and um was in the Mukyang Zhang book. The, by, Which uh, one? Um, the small one with it, it with it has the pictures in it. Um, with uh, I think the Yip Chun, Yip Chun. The gold, the gold cover, yes. the one he wrote with Leung Ting. Yes. No, sir. That is YIP. I'll grab really? it off the shelf right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I will grab it off the okay, shelf okay, right okay, now. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> Take the Xanax. I may have screwed up. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm gonna go cut myself because I'm. <laughs> I just my therapist just got me past the point where I stopped cutting myself. I will do it again now. <laughs> As a penance to you, I apologize. 
I do have low. I do have a low level of OCD. So these these are these are oddly enough the things that my brain gives a shit about. Right, right. He has a low level OCD. Low I level. Know, I know Alex a long time. He's got a low level of OCD. Like I like French fries and pizza a little. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, I think uh, um, you know uh, after the event, uh, uh, after the event on Friday, after I see it goes, and I'll give you guys an update and see if I talked about anything else or what came up. There's also going to be a huge Q and A. Uh, afterwards so I'm um, looking forward to the event and and uh, people have asked if there's going to be a video of it um, the museum of the moving image doesn't let us film stuff in there because it's their event and they don't want us posting that somewhere but we are going to film it and it will be put in my Yip Man documentary so there'll be some clips that we'll use but in terms of the, the actual show unless you're there which is now too late because we're sold out um, there's really no way to show people the show so uh, you know I apologize for all the people who asked if there's going to be a video for it I, I actually am upset that I'm not going. I'm, I'm being 100% honest here. Because, again, it was never something that I was, like, super... The history of it all was never something I was super interested in. And and now it really is something that you've you've helped um, pique my interest in this. You, Great. It's, it's, it's in my relationship with you that I... Uh, that I sit there and, and by the way, folks, as I'm doing this, I'm looking for the freaking book cover online. <laughs> I'll pull it up. I'll grab it off the shelf right now. You have no idea how badly I want Alex to be wrong. <laughs> well, you can find it. Look, I make mistakes all the time, and and you no, know, it's, no, no, no. We both know you've never made a mistake. No, 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 no. Sometimes, sometimes I misspeak, but I will always admit it if I make a mistake, which is uh, something most kung fu sifus can't do. They will, they they will bite their tongue and 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 fight. To to the death uh, that they didn't make a mistake. I will openly admit when I make mistakes or if I'm in error. And here's the thing, I'm not an, an authority on Yip Man. I've read pretty much everything there is out there on him and I've interviewed many of his students, but if it comes out that anything I say is wrong or that I get, you know, somebody tells me actually it was this way and they can present good evidence, I'll change my, you know, story and, and, and make sure that that information goes out there. I have zero ego about saying, um, you know, this is my spin on it. And I don't want people to think that I necessarily have a Lang Tang centric opinion of Yip Man because most histories of Yip Man seem to be centered about whoever their Sifu is. So, and, and this is not a knock on anybody, but, um, you know, most of the Leung Sung people, if they tell Yip Man stories, it's always centered about his relationship with Leung Sung or uh, Wong Sun Leung people and his relationship with him. But um, Yip Man's story is beyond any one individual. So uh, I need to... Uh, By the way, you're 100% right. You looked it up. He showed for those of you uh, who are listening to the podcast. He is showing me on the screen the the photo of the book. And yes, I was correct. It's YIP. <laughs> oh God! In, in a way, it's kind of sad that you remember that, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, but I, I tell you what. Don't ask me what I had for dinner last night, or 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 what my schedule is tomorrow. But ask me about one something that happened on some random. I read on some random page in a book 15 years ago, and I'm pretty sure I remember it correctly. That's awesome. That is awesome. Cool. We have a question from a listener, sir. All right. The question is. And I should say the listener is. And oh, here comes the name. Hey, folks, uh, Sean is about to say a name, so listen carefully. Because I'm going <laughs> to screw it up. The man's name is John Ruben Arrington. Hey, that's not bad. Uh, that's pretty good. Listen, I, you know, I practice for an hour. 
Yeah, even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Holy shit, you know, you know <laughs> people know that Alex, Alex is really on my ass tonight. It's, you know I'm not going to tell the audience why, but there might be a reason for that. No, I'm not going to tell them why. You know, it's funny because why, <laughs> so why, why you were talking about the uh, Yip Man versus Yip Man, yes. I was going to say I'm having a strange case of deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh, my God. So let's just put it this way, folks. I owe Alex an apology. We're not going to get into why, but I, I owe him an apology. Maybe when we're over the wound of it, we'll tell it in like two or three podcasts from now. We'll let right, the audience exactly. know. Then it's still, it doesn't hurt as much anymore. <laughs> but let's leave it at this, that when I jokingly say how stupid I am, Alex now believes me. <laughs> All right, All right so him. what's the question? Here's a question from Mr. Arrington. Arrington, however the fuck you say. <laughs> Go is. ahead. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here. Mr. Arrington asks that in modern times where there's such an emphasis on things such as drills, ped work, sparring, scenario-based training, what purpose, if any, do performing of forms have? Like, why learn the forms? Why not just go to a kung fu school and, you know, Hit, hit the pads, work the jong, spar, chi sao, do all the drills, you know, pak sao drill, lap sao drill, whatever, toy ma. Why, why learn the forms? Do the forms in any kung fu system serve a purpose, in your opinion? Uh, well, that's a loaded question. I mean, you know, again, it all depends on uh, what you want in martial arts. I mean, if you if you go up to a Tai Chi guy in the park who's performing a form and you walk up to him and you say, you know, I think you're wasting your time doing these Tai Chi forms because, you know, if you just hit the pads a little bit, and did some boxing, you'd probably learn to fight a little bit quicker than with this Tai Chi stuff. And the Tai Chi guy would probably look at you and say, yeah, you're probably right, but Ooh, I Alex, like Tai Chi. Can you, can you do that with the Shore Brothers voices? <laughs> hey, you're Tai Chi. I heard it's pretty useless. Yes! Why don't you? <laughs> why don't you hit a pad or something? And the Tai Chi would guy go, "Oh, you might be right, but I like Tai Chi." <laughs> and see, that's the thing. It's like, look, if if you, if you only care about learning to fight or self defense or whatever, man, you can go do Krav Maga. You can go to a boxing gym. You can hit pads or or learn some grappling or whatever. And no one is stopping you from doing that. But if you want to learn Wing Chun. Uh, you know, Wing Chun is a traditional martial art, whether you like it or not. And Wing Chun, I find, is very practical, very functional. Um, but I don't think you're going to really achieve a very high level at it if you don't understand the forms and internalize them. Now, again, the caveat when I say something like that is that, it, of course, it depends on the instructor. I mean, we all know there are Wing Chun schools out there that make you do nothing but forms for three years and give you very little explanation. And that's not necessarily the way to do it. And then we know some guys who are nothing but Wing Chun combat freaks, chain punching the living crap of each other up up and down uh, the floor and don't actually teach the students any more intrinsic ideas within Wing Chun. So, um, you know, when somebody says, do you need to learn the forms to fight? Well, absolutely not. But I think you need to learn them to learn Wing Chun. And it's a question of whether you want to learn Wing Chun or you just want to learn something else. And I would never tell somebody uh, that 
they have to do Wing Chun to learn to fight if all they want to do is fight. I mean, it's a, Wing Chun is a very cool martial art, and if you want to do it, you're you're in for a really great ride if you have a great sifu, and uh, you know it it the forms are part and parcel to it. Another thing I'll say is still, despite the fact that we have forms, we're eighty percent of what we do is still with a partner, so it's still quite practical uh, in terms of how much time we actually spend dealing with a live person in front of us, as opposed to you know moving our arms in the air compared to some of the other kung fu styles. So I mean that's that's what I think about it. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think um, it's the forms that help us learn Wing Chun. It's not the... To me, Kung Fu is about the drills. It's um, literally Kung Fu, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, Kung Fu means hard work or something to that. Yeah, something I mean, basically, your, your achievement through hard work, yes. Right, so to me, the forms are a great way of passing down the art the, the forms are a great way of learning the finer points of the art. But, you know, you, to me, you can't say you're doing Wing Chun if you don't know the forms. But you right. can't say you're doing Wing Chun if you only know the forms. Yes, yes. You know what's funny, Sean? And I know you're going to give me shit because you don't have my book yet. Because uh, for the for oh, those who don't know, out? yes, I have a book. And Holy okay, guys. Shit. So just so you know why Sean is always being sarcastic is I I, I was going to give him a copy of the first edition of my book, but <laughs> due to clerical errors at my school, the books got sold out before I had a chance to give Sean his copy. And by the way, I put Sean in the acknowledgments in the back of the book. So I mean, you're actually part of the book now. Wow. He, he, he didn't get the book, so I felt kind of bad about that. And then the second edition just came in this week, and I haven't had a chance to see Sean yet, so he hasn't gotten his I'm book yet. I'm looking at it right here. Oh, wait, yeah. no, this is not it. I'm sorry. So he's going to constantly give me shit until that book is actually in his hand. Now, you know what, Sean? I actually have an editorial in the back of the book, and I think the line you just said about, you know, that you can you can learn um, how to fight without forms, but you can't learn Wing Chun without forms, like – like really understand Wing Chun. Right. I think I have that line verbatim in my book, which is amazing. And I, like cool. exactly what you just said. So um, one of these days when I make it over to Staten Island, I'll give you uh, an autographed copy with a big smiley face on it. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully everything will be okay after that. And you just got to love with the disdain in his voice when he says Staten Island. <laughs> As if the whole island stinks like the dump. Oh, when I come to Staten Island. Well, just just for, for people who are not from New York, Staten Island is part of New York City, but it's a part of New York City that you got to take a damn ferry to or you have to get in a car and drive all the way to BFE and go on some bridge to go there. So, yeah, it's part of New York, but it's kind of like like a vestigial limb of New York, like right. like a broken arm hanging down there. And by the way... That's where we used to dump our garbage. Anyway, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> all right? So, yeah, so when I go to Staten, it's like a big deal to go to Staten Island. Like, <laughs> I have to take right. a train all the... bigger deal to live here. <laughs> <laughs> Last topic, young man, and then we're going to call it a night, I think. Awesome. We were asked by a friend, I'm not going to say who, because I think our, neither one of us are going to have a positive opinion about it. So I'm not going to, I don't want to embarrass anybody, and I don't want to offend anybody. But I was asked, we were asked by a friend, what's our opinion on martial art Hall of Fames? Yes. And um, I think, I, you know, without us ever actually talking about it, other than joking around, I think we kind of agree that it's, it's I guess, in my opinion, much like a there, there before the grace of God go I convention. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a whole, you know, 
it's it's like a, a fucking has been event, you know. I mean, right. I, I like to call those things the graveyard of martial art careers. Right. Exactly. Right. You know. It's. I mean, listen. And if it makes you happy to go, go ahead, go. Again, I'm big on making yourself happy. If people, if you, if going to an event like that makes you happy, hey man, knock yourself out. I just don't see it for myself as something that I would be taking part in or. I, 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 I've never put a trophy up in my house that I've had to pay for. Right, sure. And, and, and I th- yeah, you're, and that I think is the clincher. It seems so disingenuous that, uh, so I, I have a martial arts school in New York, I, and I get invites to these kind of things all the time. And there's one famous one that's in Jersey every year, and I get an invite to that. And it's like, congratulations, Sifu Alex Richter. You have been inducted into the Hall of Fame for, you know, ambassador of martial arts or whatever kind of like silly reason they give it to me. And and then it's like, to claim your award, all you need to do is come to this event. And, you know, basically they want you to like get a table like for eight people at like, I don't know, 100 bucks a person or whatever. And you bring eight of your best friends to sit at a table to eat some steak or whatever, and then they're going to give you an award but the thing is they're going to give you along with 400 other people the the the, the same award i even i've never actually been to one of these events so i get invited all the time and uh, i've heard that they give out so many awards at these things that they they barely really announce the names people just stand in a line and they hand the award and then they go and then the next person goes and so you're just like cattle being herded and if you think about it i mean the people who do this they make good money but it just shows like I didn't do martial arts for a trophy. I didn't do martial arts to be in a Hall of Fame. And if there's a legit... We did it for the girls. Yeah, well, obviously. I mean, what other reason is there <laughs> to do martial arts? For the girls, right? Uh, if, if somebody wants to put me in a Hall of Fame, and it's a legit Hall of Fame, and then they would just induct you in the Hall of Fame and invite you, and that would be it. They wouldn't ask you to pay some money and do this right, and do exactly, that. And, right. and, and look, I'm very young in my martial arts career. I mean, I've only been doing this for a few years. What the hell reason does anybody have to put me in a Hall of Fame? I mean, what the hell have I done? You know what I mean? I've, I've managed to run a martial arts school for 15 years. Is that some kind of achievement these days? <laughs> like people, You have an awesome <laughs> podcast. I do have an awesome podcast. And hey, if somebody wanted to put us in the Hall of Fame for the awesomest kung fu podcast with the word dude in the title, I would so go to that Hall of Fame. But other than that, I don't really see what reason somebody has to put me uh, in some kind of Hall of Fame. And it's very disingenuous. You have to pay for it. And, And the people who go to those things are normally people that either they haven't done something in 30 years, that's why I say it's the graveyard of martial art careers, or the only thing they do is go to these conventions. Now, I'm going to say my good friend Vincent Lin goes to these conventions, but he they actually pay him to go to those things because he's like a celebrity, you know right, what I mean? Bait. Yeah, he, he's the bait, you know what I mean? So I know people who are like that, and that's okay. I understand why they go. They get paid. I mean, I suppose if they wanted to pay me to go there and do it, or I mean, even Sifu Samuel Kwok gets paid to go to those things. I mean, that's fine. Sifu Samuel Kwok. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, he gets paid. He gets paid to go to those events, and like I understand why those people would go. But the, you know, the people who don't really have a school or don't have any students, and then they go there and get they're in some Hall of Fame for Instructor of the Year, and they have like three students to their name, and you just go, "Come on, what the hell is this?" Sorry. You know, that, that I just find is really disingenuous, and and um, I yeah, I, I can't go for that at all. That I have a really hard time. Plus. I have a really hard time going to Atlantic City, man. I don't know. For me, I'd rather go to Staten Island than Atlantic City. I mean, please. 
Okay, so now he just used the Staten Island as the <laughs> benchmark of places he would not want to be. Yeah. It's like, I'd rather go to fucking jail than Staten Island. <laughs> you know, but I'd rather go to Staten Island than, say, Afghanistan. You know? <laughs> well, I, I might rather go to Afghanistan than Atlantic City. I don't know. Like, let's not talk so much shit about Afghanistan. I mean, Atlantic City is pretty bad. Like <laughs> I mean, granted, it's no, you know, it's no Queens, New York, but... Right, right, right. But what place is? Let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, listen, um, I hope you enjoyed the, the podcast tonight. We, uh, if you can, you know, go and like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash dudes of kung fu. And um, if you're on iTunes or Google Play, subscribe. This way, when you wake up on Monday morning, Sunday night, the podcast will be sitting on your phones. It's the best yeah. way to do it. Just subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. We're all over the place. And there's one more place where you can hear our podcast, which is on my new website, SifuAlexRichter.com. We actually have a live feed because your son, John, sent me the code to put that in there. So now we actually have the feed on my SifuAlexRichter.com site so people can listen to it there as well. Yeah, he showed me that. That looked pretty cool. I was Yeah. Like, yeah, because he told me. He's like, oh, Dad, I, I, I sent this code to Alex. Check a look at the site, man. That looked pretty cool. That pretty cool. awesome. Pretty awesome. Well, hey, man, I had a great time, Sean. I think it was really fun to be back uh, after my uh, one-week hiatus. Uh, uh, I really, really miss doing the podcast, and I can't wait to do the next one. Yeah, listen, you know, uh, so I will talk to you next week. And, All right, um, man. Talk to you soon, folks. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.